back to the Angels and now have Kalashnikovs. I'm David and I am the bearded poet. Growing up in the 1970s, every evening before bed, we would sit as a family and watch the news on TV. There was no Sky or Virgin, there was BBC or ITV or nothing. And of course, living in Swansea meant every other programme was in Welsh, so the choice was cut even further. Usual reporters appeared before us to tell us all of the government, calling another government names and calling them bores and criticising and complaining, or how a film star had died or how the weather was going yet again to be horrible. Frequently, however, and all too frequently, we were also told of the troubles, as they were called, in Northern Ireland, and how in the Middle East yet another British missionary had been kidnapped by one of the many religious factions that were running out there at the time. One such missionary was Terry Waite. Looking at this man who, with his big eyes, tall stature and big bushy beard, there was absolutely no doubt he was going to stand out in a crowd. Terry Waite was the Archbishop of Canterbury's Anglican Communion Officer, or the Archbishop of Canterbury's Special Envoy. And so, as the envoy for Robert Runcie, he travelled to Lebanon to try to secure the release of four hostages, including the journalist John McCarthy, who had himself been kidnapped and held captive from 1987 to 1991. Very often in the news, a reporter would stand in front of Westminster Abbey for effect and tell us how an envoy had been sent to attempt to free the British hostages, and very soon the ongoing saga of Terry Waite's imprisonment would be mentioned almost every night. Waite spent a total of 1,763 days in captivity, with approximately 1,460 of those in solitary confinement. Terry Waite had successfully talked his way through many hostage release, but his ongoing friendship with the American Colonel Oliver North and his use of American military transport made him an Islamic Jihad organization target and a valuable asset and bargaining tool to boot. So, on the news, every night we would be shown footage of this larger-than-life man standing alongside Robert Runsley, the Archbishop of Canterbury, dwarfing him in comparison. Years later, I think it was about 1997, Terry was speaking about his experiences at several meetings around the religious groups of Swansea and in Swansea University. And after one such meeting, he came for dinner with friends to the restaurant I worked in. After everyone had left and for all intents and purposes, work was finished, we sat for a short time talking to Terry Waite. I was shocked to see this man, who obviously, with his great height, had become a slight reflection on the man I used to see on TV years before. He told us all about his experiences at the hands of the IJO and how he felt towards the men who individually hurt him so much, so badly. So once again, as with Harold and Popov, who we spoke about earlier, a man had given his life, his belief, given everything to God. And in doing so, because of his God, he was treated so badly. Then I think one of the worst, from all religions and walks of life, there had always been the need to publicly show your strength non-wavering commitment to whatever God you believed in. And during my lifetime, I can recall many news reports and 
hearsay stories of people being executed just for not following a religion. Then as we came into the age of the internet and global news, all of a sudden we began to get graphic videos emerging all from all around the world, showing missionaries, aid workers, military personnel being flogged, paraded, and at its worst, the film showing them actually being beheaded. Two high-profile examples of this were Alan Jenning and David Haynes. Alan Jenning, 15th of August 1967 to around the 3rd of October 2014, was an English taxicab driver turned volunteer humanitarian and aid worker. He was the fourth Western hostage killed by Islamic State of Iraq and Levent, or ISIL, whose killing was publicised in a beheading video. Henning was captured during ISIL's occupation of the Syrian city of Aldana. David Cawthorn Haynes, 9th of May 1970 to around the 13th of September 2014, was a British aid worker who was captured by the Islamic State of Iraq and Levent in early 2013 and beheaded, as we said, around the 14th of September. ISIL were very, very proud to show how barbaric they could be, how strong and how powerful they were. Yet all they had actually done is capture two men who were there to do good, to do honest work, to do humanitarian work. These men were not professional soldiers, they were not men who could fight their way out of trouble with skills learnt after years in the military. They were honest, hard-working men who just wanted to do something good in the world. So what did they actually achieve? Well, apart from decimating two families back here in the UK, they achieved absolutely nothing. Why did they do it? Well, they did it to show strength. To tell the world that the God that they believe in, their religion, their law, is the true law, the true God, and the only worthy religion. So all I can say to that is, if there is a God in any guise, surely that God, when he sees all, all of this happening, in his, her name, surely they would step in and stop it. I recently heard two quotes. The, worst, the first one, sorry, was, I feel like I'm on the other side of a mirror watching the world. Which to me resonates quite a lot, because my full name is David Kimran Alleman. Growing up in my family and school, everybody called me Kim. All through school, I was ridiculed, called a girl because I had a girl's name. I wore glasses from the age of four, so now I was also four eyes. I was overweight and had an overactive bladder, which meant I had to pee literally every ten minutes. It was brilliant treatment. All through school, I was bullied. Then at the age of about ten, I started to grow and sprout hair everywhere. So now my surname of Alleman changed overnight to Ape Man. Proactively, every day and by every second, <laughs> by the second, I was set upon, punched, kicked, spat on. All through lessons, I was threatened, called names and made to feel like I wasn't actually there. I had a few close friends who in many ways saved me from totally losing the plot. A couple of my friends also went through just as much as I did, I think. We were in a poor area of Swansea. We were poor, but our parents were brilliant. I felt I didn't 
belong, that I shouldn't be here. I could see everyone else in my peer group as having a totally different life to me. And sometimes, even now, 40 years on, I still feel the same way. I find it easy to make friends, but I can't commit myself to anything. For example, if the guys from work had gone out for a drink, watched the rugby, out for Christmas, anything. I always agree, I always promise to turn up, but I never do. The second quote I heard recently was from a documentary I watched about a young woman who, in current modern-day Syria, had been kidnapped and systematically raped, kept as a sex slave. A couple of years after, when being interviewed, one of the ladies concerned was asked if she wanted justice, if, if she wanted her captures to be beaten, to be executed, as the law commands. And her response was brilliant. It was, you can't cure harm with harm. Which is right. So many stories, so many different points of view, different ways of of thinking about everything which has happened. Two thousand years ago, a young man is born in an area of the Holy Land, as we call it now. He grows up with difficult times around him, the Roman soldiers, etc. As he grows, he starts preaching, saying good things about people, and he starts miracles. He starts performing magic. And then when he's at an age where he can be a threat to his people around him who wish him harm, he then becomes persecuted and chased. The story is, of course, of Jesus, according to the Bible. Could it be a film? Could it be Harry Potter? Same thing, same story. So in 2,000 years, once everybody's spoken about the films and the books and the videos and everything else with Harry Potter, in 2,000 years, will people think that Harry Potter is in fact the Messiah? I'm David. I'm the bearded poet. And that's it for episode three.